Over the years, I've shared experiences I have had when I visited and worked in Haiti from 2009 until I began working at the downtown church in 2014. For five years, I traveled to a place in the southern part of the island to work in leadership development with a group of young people who lived in Projet Espoir Sud, Project Hope South. It was never what we would call safe to travel there. It required more than a seatbelt and locked windows. It required putting myself and those who traveled with me in the hands of a skilled Haitian driver to get us from Port-au-Prince to Espoir. When we arrived and passed through the walls into Espoir, there was a sense of, we made it. We are okay. As we drove up to the guest house once again, we went through a wall surrounding it, a locked gate with a semi-security guard posted at it, again, to keep us safe. Walls. There were walls around the entire compound, walls around the village where the boys lived, another set of walls around the area where the girls were housed, walls around the guest house. When we drove into town, most of the places where people lived were behind walls of some type, some concrete, some stone, some pieces of tin wired together, some shipping containers that had become a home for a family. But walls are everywhere. They exist to keep the people within them safe, to state to those who might do them harm that this place, this area is off limits. They set boundaries even for and maybe especially for those living in the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere who have little to protect except themselves. And as I watched the news lately of the assassination of Haiti's president last week and as the fragile order that has always been tenuous at best slips into what has been called anarchy, I cannot help but pray and dream of a better time for this place I have come to love. Walls, to keep people in and others out. In my life, I've seen many walls designed to do just that. As a 13-year-old, I stood in West Berlin and looked over the wall into the other side that was empty, patrolled by armed guards. I learned, even at that young age, that not everyone was free, and it was a gift to hold a U.S. passport. In 2012, when I was part of a group touring the Holy Lands, we passed through the wall around Bethlehem only after our bus was searched by men holding rifles to make sure we were not there to violate any of their laws. Bethlehem. Something about that particular wall broke my heart as we drove through into what has been a sacred place for Christians throughout the world. Walls. For the ancient Jewish nation, no place was more sacred than the temple in Jerusalem. It was the place built by King Solomon based on instructions given to his father David. It was considered as a permanent home for God. God had led the people from Egypt until they reached and conquered the promised land in a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night. Until finally, there in Jerusalem, the Ark of the Covenant could be placed. To this temple, pilgrimages were made to celebrate feasts and holy days. To this temple, Jesus was brought to be dedicated, 
Here the child Jesus was found teaching when his parents had thought he was lost. Here, for generations, this was the place where sacrifices were offered and worship was conducted. And here, walls were built within and without to separate people according to the religious laws of the day. The temple consisted of a series of courts, each one enclosed by a wall, a marble screen, or a partition of stone functioning as a wall. The outermost was the court of the Gentiles. Gentiles were anyone not Jewish. For a Gentile to leave this court and go deeper into the temple was punishable by death. Those people were to be kept the farthest from where God dwelled. They were pagan, despised, but useful for transacting business Interestingly enough, they had their purpose as outsiders, but always outsiders, never insiders. Next was the court of the women, then the court of Israel, the court of the priests, and finally the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could enter. This most sacred place had an enormous curtain serving as an insurmountable wall that separated where God lived. This is the context that makes these words of Ephesians so incredibly powerful. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, tore down the walls, all walls. I invite you to listen as I read from Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with the 14th verse, using the message version. The Messiah has made things up between us so that we're now together on this, both non-Jewish outsiders and Jewish insiders, he tore down the wall we used to keep each other at a distance. He repealed the law code that had become so clogged with the fine print and footnotes that it hindered more than it helped. Then he started over. Instead of continuing with two groups of people separated by centuries of animosity and suspicion, he created a new kind of human being, a fresh start for everybody. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. That's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. God is building a home. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here and what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he's using you fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Walls are taken down. What is separated one from the other, our walls, our rules, our convictions that our way is the only way, our fear, our judgment, Christ creates a new humanity, a new kind of human being that didn't exist before. 
He didn't come to absorb one group into what already existed, to make Gentiles become Jews or Jews become Gentiles. No, Jesus makes something brand new, a people whose identity, whose name is Christian. Theologian Karen Chacoan writes it this way, Eliminating boundaries does not in itself create peace. Peace comes only by eliminating the hostility behind the dividing walls. God does not merely tear down walls, but unites people in the one who is our peace, creating one new humanity. The author of Ephesians writes of how this is accomplished, how a new humanity is formed. Let's pause and admit, it seems impossible. The walls seem too high, the difference is too great. It means we have to be willing to embrace the thought that there is a higher calling than making more of any one denomination, or even more of one non-denominational church. There is a more important call to be met that Christ has fulfilled. When we look to Christ and the barriers, they come down. Christ came and preached peace, not cessation of hostility, not a truce or a toleration, not coexistence, not let's sit down together and hash this thing out. Peace, a new humanity founded on peace. Theologian William Barclay writes, that is what Christ does. He is our peace. It is in a common love of him that people come to love each other. That peace is won at the price of his blood. For the great awakener of love is the cross. The sight of that cross awakens in the hearts of men and all nations love for Christ. And only when they all love Christ will they love each other. Love. When we look at the cross, when our gaze lingers on Jesus long enough, we can become a new people. For we're not seeking to follow the rules, but to follow the Savior. We aren't looking for who is right about how the sacrament of baptism is shared. We're looking at the miracle that the shed blood of Jesus Christ washes us clean. We're not debating who can take communion or how it's to be served. We are instead watching in wonderment as Jesus breaks bread and gives it to his disciples. All of them, before he was crucified, denied, forsaken, Jesus said, this is for you, all of you. We don't let the pomp and circumstance of religion carry so much importance that we argue about what must be said and must be done. For Jesus on the cross is naked, stripped before us all, and yet his love is seeping through every pore. And as we gaze, we begin to notice the others that are around us, whose gaze are also fixed on Jesus, who too are seeking to follow him, who are saying yes to his lordship and his way of life. We discover we're not alone. No walls separate us. We could, if we wished, merely reach out our hand and touch the hand of another person who has fallen in love with Jesus. Jesus is our peace. He and he alone. He is the cornerstone on which the church, this new humanity, is built. He and he alone. William Barclay writes again, That is what the church should be like. Its unity comes not from organization or ritual or liturgy. It comes from Christ. Ubi Christus, ibi Ecclesia. Where Christ is, there is the church. The church will realize her unity only when she realizes 
that she does not exist to propagate the point of view of any body of men, but to provide a home where the Spirit of Christ can dwell and where all men who love Christ can meet in that spirit. Christ tore down the wall. In him, they no longer exist. There is a story told of a particular soldier who died in World War II. Others in his outfit bring him to a cemetery in France to have him buried. There the priest asked, as he had been taught to ask, whether or not this man was a baptized Roman Catholic. Soldiers didn't know. The priest said he was sorry, but the man could not be buried in the churchyard. So the soldiers took the body of their friend away. Just outside the fence of the church's cemetery, they dug a grave and buried him there. The next morning, they returned to honor their friend one more time before they moved on. They were unable to find the grave. It was then the priest appeared and explained. His heart had troubled him throughout the night, so early the next morning, he had moved the fence. Love moves fences until they are totally removed. Love tears down walls. Love does not let rules and regulations carry the day. It lets generosity, selflessness, compassion, empathy transform us into a new humanity. Love. Jesus is love. Jesus is the cornerstone of the new humanity he is building. He's been doing this for 2,000 years and will never cease. And Jesus is allowing us the honor of being a part of it. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are his church. Brick by brick, stone by stone, we're being put together with other bricks and stones. Bricks that can speak of the love of Christ. Stones that can walk around and share the good news of salvation and love. Bricks that extend grace. Stones that are merciful. A building. We're all invited to dwell, to encounter the one true God. And then... When we're finished worshiping together, we'll walk out into the world carrying the love that will bring down walls. Walls. There will be a day when there are no more. When instead of building them higher, they're pulled down, just as surely as the Berlin Wall in 1989, 32 years ago. But it's been a long time since the wall has come down since we watched the dismantling of something that has kept humanity separated. Maybe it's past time we joined with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and did some dismantling. Where is there a wall you have built that needs to be taken down? Where do you see a wall that needs you to stand before it and pray for its removal in the name of Christ? Where could you extend a hand to others who, like you, have fallen in love with Jesus, and like you, are working for a wall-free world. And then when you leave today, whether you turn off worship or to face the world, or wherever you go, once again, let me encourage you and send you with these words. Now he's using you, fitting you brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. 
Let's pray. Good and awesome God, we turn our gaze to the cross of your Son, Jesus Christ. We see there the truth of your great love. Nothing can separate us from you, not life or death, not walls or fences. You've torn down all our excuses, all our fears, all our reasons for building walls. Help us, Almighty God, to engage in dismantling anything that would separate us one from the other and ourselves from the abundant life you've brought in. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.